Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Man, we're really excited to be here. It's awesome to get started. And so now we take off. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Otterman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Steelers practice was moved yesterday to 10.30 in the morning, and our very own Bob Labriola loved the change so much that he petitioned. No, he demanded that the Steelers do the exact same thing today. <laughs> practice has again been moved up to 10.30 a.m., Today, So if you are planning on heading up to Latrobe, make sure you get there a little bit earlier than you originally planned. Tickets will still be honored for the 1.55 p.m. practice today. So just moving up to 10.30 in the morning, uh, Labs, someone's looking at that Doppler radar even more than you are up at camp. And that Doppler radar might be the MVP so far of Steelers training camp. Well, you know, um, I won't say I demanded the change. I dreamt about it, though, <laughs> you know, um, and sometimes dreams do come true. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm just happy we're not getting on buses again, you know, right. seriously. Um, and I'm sure Mike Tallman wants to avoid that at all costs as well. So, you know, what happened yesterday was, and, and so much changes from day to day. I mean, you know, in, in terms of the weather up here, um, I'm kind of a little bit out of touch, uh, what's going on with the weather in Pittsburgh, but, um, so much changes based on, you know, what happens in the uh, late afternoon, early evening, because that has seemed to be the time uh, when the uh, floodgates open. And yesterday, it seemed, based on the forecast, that it was, I don't know, 80 90% chance of rain when yeah. I saw, when I read it. Uh, it didn't turn out to be like that. So, you know, what the, what the Steelers had done, you know, the one day that they went to Latrobe Stadium to have practice, it wasn't so much because the uh, fields here were soaked. Uh, the actual, you know, 53 by 100 yard rectangle field that was soaked as it was the sidelines. Right. You know, the areas between um, the fields. And, you know, that's not good either. I mean, you, you know, you can't have guys because they're running out of bounds. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's football. And so you don't want that where they're running from fairly sure footing into muck because uh, that's an injury waiting to happen plus you have all of the equipment over there and you know you don't want stuff to like saw, sag into the mud and you can't get it out or it ruins the grass or you know all those kinds of things so yesterday afternoon for a while i noticed that instead of tarping the whole field they tarped uh, the sidelines mm. um, so that you know if, if it did rain 
that wouldn't it wouldn't add to that issue uh, the issue that they already had. Um, apparently, it worked. Um, you know, I haven't been out to see or I walk around it. I mean, I wouldn't do that because I don't want to be down there in the way. Um, you didn't run but, your fifty you know, laps around the field this morning like you usually do. No, you had no, to skip I, that I today. Say, okay. I say I say that plus my, uh, you know, I, I do my gassers, you know, <laughs> hundred yard gassers. That, that's after. <laughs> I don't want to scare any of the right. people who might be here early watching. Do, do you think the players, you know, this is the second day in a row now, they're going to wake up in the morning and find out they got to practice in just a few hours. Do you think they welcome that opportunity to kind of get things done a little early and then have their afternoon, watch some film, uh, do their own individual stuff, and, and really have a day for themselves? Or do you think they're getting a little tired of all this change? I know Tomlin wants them to be ready for change. You have to be ready for anything to happen. Like, like you mentioned on an earlier show we did, what about the COVID year? You're playing on a Wednesday at 3 in the afternoon all of a sudden. You have to be flexible yeah. in the NFL. But do you think they're getting a little tired of man? It's just every single day we do, we go to bed at night. We don't know what's going to happen the next day. Uh, you know, I really don't know what their feeling is. I, I think that you know, guys who have ascended to this level of this sport, uh, they've learned a few things, and one of them is, um, as that one famous Mike Tomlin uh, quote when asked about something changing during the COVID, oh, the, losing the buy mm -hmm. to the Titans, right? Uh, we do not care, he said. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, players have come to understand that when it comes to a lot of these things, there's no sense complaining about it because that's the that's the response they're going to get from, you know, the head coach uh, and, the, and the people who gather to make these decisions. You know, we do not care that you would rather practice at 155. And who knows, maybe some of them actually – uh, prefer it because, uh, as Mike Tomlin said after yesterday's morning practice, I prefer to practice in the heat of the day. Yeah, right. So it's not as hot now. Uh, in fact, it might not even be seventy degrees outside. I'm not really sure because, as I said, I haven't been out um, to feel what it's like. So you know, it could be uh, something that they uh, actually prefer. Actually, I just looked for the, at the temperature, 70 degrees exactly. Mm. So, you know, it's not going to be much warmer than that by the time 1030 rolls around. So who knows, you know, especially the big guys. Maybe they prefer it uh, in the morning because it's not as hot. Yesterday on this very program, we anointed not only Kenny Pickett, the starting quarterback, after making some NFL-looking <laughs> throws. I started sketching his bust for Canton. I have several rough drafts in my notebook right here. I was going to send it along to Canton today after the show, but then I read your practice report last night. He's throwing two interceptions, one to James Pierre, one to Chris Steele. Uh, this guy now should be cut. We should probably look into firing <laughs> members of the front office, the scouts that decided to pick him in the first round. Uh, I mean, am I off base here? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> in, a, in a word, yes. Um, but uh, he also continued to make some nice throws. I mean, he down in the, they call it tight red zone. You know, that's a, that's a critical area, obviously. Right. And, you know, for the reasons that, um, you know, are, ma are, are mathematical. You know, sevens instead of threes uh, is one um, prime example. But another thing in terms of the evaluation process of a, quarterback especially a young quarterback why it's uh an important uh, area is that everything's in tight quarters you know so you have to be precise with your throws you have to be on time right. with your throws 
and you have to be accurate and um you know you have to put some zip on it because if you lollygag it in there you know guys make up ground really fast in this league so i mean there was one play just that just a uh, as an example of that, guys making up ground very fast in this league. Um, uh, during one of the red zone drills, uh, George Pickett ran a more of a post pattern than a slant because he was running uh, shallow in the end zone for a while. You know, maybe from, I don't know, for maybe 15 yards, say. He's running across the middle, and the ball was delivered to him, uh, and he caught it. Okay, and he made a nice catch. But you could see Minka Fitzpatrick coming from the other direction, and he's flying. Mm. And, you know, Pickens catches the ball, and then Fitzpatrick just flies by him. You know, he's a veteran enough to – he's not going to uh, have a brain cramp and hit the guy. Right. But if that's a game, there's going to be contact there. Uh, and he had enough time – and Fitzpatrick is savvy enough and good enough that he could have lined him up and hit him with his shoulder in the chest. You know, not gone for the head. He wouldn't take out his knees um, uh, if it was an opponent, say. You're a nice, uh, legal, and, heavy hit. Right. And so, you know, that's that's another thing that, you know, you, you have to, quarterbacks have to be aware of because a lot, you know, Tom Brady has said this. A lot of these hard hits, these guys that they call um, unnecessary roughness and stuff. That's the quarterback's fault. Yeah. You shouldn't, you shouldn't lead a guy. You know, you should know what, as the quarterback, you should know what the coverage is and don't lead a guy into, you know, a car wreck <laughs> with the ball because <laughs> the receiver's got to be looking at the ball and concentrating on that and his job. He's been trained. You know, you don't want to hear footsteps and all that stuff. So he's concentrating on the ball. He's running fast to get the ball and if the quarterback is, I won't say lazy, but makes that mistake, uh, you know, that one's on you. <laughs> yep. You know, when, when your receiver is lying there, um, maybe busted up, hopefully not concussed. So, um, yeah, he was, he, Kenny Pickett made some nice throws in that tight area. Um, and so, but yeah, he did throw a couple of picks too. And the one pick, the James Pierre pick, was, you know, yesterday on this very show, to use your phrase, um, <laughs> we were talk. I was talking about uh, one of the big time NFL throws Kenny Pickett made in the previous practice was that long out pattern. Yeah, you know, he was on the other hash. You know, he delivered it about I don't know, thirteen to fifteen yards down the field, but all the way across. That was one of those ones. He threw that again. Now, it was. It's hard for me to judge. You know, if the ball had a little bit too much arc on it or if James Pierre just made a great play, who knows? Maybe uh, I don't want to not give him credit. He may have just known what's coming or read the, the receiver the way he was, you know, sh shuffling his feet and, you know, sinking his hips or whatever he's looking for. And he just made a great play because he did have to dive for the ball. It wasn't one of those ones where, you know, he just caught it like he was the intended receiver. Um but, you know, again, that, that's maybe we'll, – we'll let Mike Sullivan and Matt Cannon <laughs> to handle this part. Uh, th that maybe is not a throw he should have made mm. or attempted. Um, but, again, that's, I'll leave that to the coach and the coordinator and they can – and the head coach, too. They can talk to Kenny Pickett about that however they want to. 
but the outcome was not obviously what the offense was looking for. We've talked a lot about Kenny the uh, past couple of days. We've heard from Kenny as well. We haven't really touched a lot on Mitch uh, the past couple of days, and you have to admit there's definitely been some scene improvement out of Mitch Trubisky. He's starting to show some flashes of why the coaching staff is so confident in him being that number one quarterback and have been pretty much since signing him to the team. Yeah, and you know what I continue to see him do, and I think do well, is his uh, understanding and usage of when to run. Uh, you know, he's not. Uh, I've gone over this with um, a couple of questions and asked and answered, where you know, trying to explain uh, the difference between a mobile quarterback and a running quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want a guy. Well, let me say this. Mitch Trubisky Trubisky is not the kind of guy whose skill set lends itself to, um, you know, trying to be Lamar Jackson. Right. He's he's not that. You know, you don't want him, uh, Trubisky, if he's in the shotgun, you know, looking for one receiver and then pulling the ball down and trying to make a play with his legs. Uh, But there was a play in seven shots where, you know, Trubisky rolls out a little bit, and if a lane opens up, you know, he only needs two yards to get the ball in the end zone. And so you want him to do that, you know, uh, use your legs, because a lot of times that's safer uh, than putting the ball in the air. As I mentioned, it's close quarters. Uh, A a lot of defensive players, you know, in an enclosed area. Uh, So, you know, again, I I think he's starting to show that, which is uh, something that the Steelers – found attractive about him, and I think that, um, you know, it can really help the offense, too, because, you know, you know when it's on when the shoe's on the other foot, you're playing the Buffalo Bills. I can tell you that Mike Tomlin and, and the, uh, the defensive coordinator last year was Keith Butler. This year will be, you know, Terrell Austin and Brian Flores will be involved in this, too, this right. year. you got to keep him in the pocket, you know, because if you get sloppy with your rush – your pass rush, and guys, you know, if the, if the guys on the outside try and, you know, beat their blocker inside, they get pushed inside, and that kind of opens up that side of the field. <clears throat> Josh Allen is the kind of guy who's going to take that, and then he either gets out on the on the flank and runs for big yardage sometimes, depending upon what coverage you're in, or he breaks down the coverage because someone leaves their man or someone thinks I've got to go tackle him or, you know, whatever the reaction might be. And then he hits, you know, throws a pass over your head or where you were supposed to be or where you once were and are not there any longer. And, you know, it, you're, you're giving up big plays. So I, I think that the Steelers had seen enough of that and dealt with that enough that they decided, well, you know, let's kind of join that club a little bit now that Ben's retiring. Um, and because you have a chance to, you know, first of all, get a younger guy who hasn't been as beat up as Ben was at the end of his career. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, that's, there seems to be a lot more of those kinds of quarterbacks in the league than there were in 2004, the last time the Steelers were looking to draft a quarterback, you know, high in a draft. Coach Tomlin spoke to the media following practice yesterday. Let's take a listen to what Coach had to say. Man, a minor uh, change to the schedule today. We just thought it was very necessary to get our work in. We looked at the Doppler and, and thought this afternoon might be questionable at best. And so 
we made the necessary changes. It is our preference to practice in the heat of the day. We believe it, it aids in team development, particularly from a conditioning standpoint. Uh, but, but we have a hardcore plan. We remain light on our feet and do what it is that we need to do in an effort to get the work done. I appreciate the spirit and the attention of the guys. They woke up this morning and, and woke up to a schedule change. And, and that's an awesome part of team development as well. Um, oftentimes, there are going to be things without, outside of our control that we have to adjust to, uh, flight delays, et cetera. Um, but at the same time, when it's time to play, we're going to be responsible for the play. Uh, lightning delays. And so we always approach subtle changes and adjustments we have to make in that spirit, understanding that is preparing us for the journey. Um, good day's work today. Mon Adams went down during practice with, a, with an ankle injury. He's being evaluated. Um, there, there are countless guys that are working themselves back to us in a variety of, of, of levels of participation, and that's important um, because it's good for them and it's good for us, particularly with what awaits us at the end of the week, stepping into a stadium uh, is a big component of development and, and dividing the labor and getting a sense of really where we are. Questions? Coach, can you talk about Isaiah Loudermilk? He looks like a totally different person right now, and you always look for growth from year one to two, two to three. Where is he right now? I think he's taking the step that we would anticipate, um, but obviously there's a lot of ball out in front of him and us, so that remains to be seen. But uh, he's done a great job of shaping his body. He came uh, highly conditioned per his position, and so he has positioned himself to do the things that we expect guys like him to do. Uh, second lap around the track with the knowledge of the journey and, and a certain level of expectation, at least culturally, what we're trying to do from an environmental standpoint is a leg up for those guys. And, and, and so we expect those plays to come with it. Chase said he's been working with Brandon Marshall on diagnosing defenses, watching film, thing like, things like that. How have you seen him get better at that or improve at that just through this short time? He's missed some time, and so he's just, just getting his feet under, under him. I don't know that those things have revealed themselves to this point. With those extra reps, uh, how have you seen uh, George Pickens progress from the start of camp until now? He's continually getting better. He is. What about Jalen Warren? He's another kid who just comes in here and makes plays, it seems. You know, one man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. We say that often and we mean it. Uh, there's an attrition component to this process, and, and we don't waste time worrying about the time missed. We're focusing on things, that, as, as you mentioned, a guy like Jalen getting additional reps, a guy like Master Teague that's kind of getting on a moving train and getting an opportunity to show what he's capable of. Uh, these are awesome days and opportunities for young people. With the schedule changing, how did that impact walkthroughs? that before? Are you guys going to do that after? Uh, we're going to get all our work, work done today. We just flipped it around a little bit. Like the uh, bump neck play of Cam Sutton, is that tangible in the way that you can see it out there on the field? And how so? It always has been. Um, I, I think back to the night I met Cam Sutton the day before his pro day uh, when he was coming out of Tennessee. Um, we met with him as we do. We talked schematics. He got on the board. He drew up all 22. He talked in a real global sense. And Kevin Colbert and I, and I just looked at each other. Um, his, his global football knowledge and awareness and his ability to articulate it is unique. It's been unique. And it shows up often in his play. Not only in his play, but his communication helps others. What have you liked about Derek Tuska in that third outside linebacker role? He's working. Um, he's working with a group of others to distinguish themselves. And, and so we'll just keep snapping the ball and seeing what those guys do, but not enough yet uh, to speak in the manner in which you reference. I see some chemistry developing between 10 and 14 with Deontay and Chase missing. Some I think it's reasonable to expect chemistry to develop with all guys. Um, we're working here and we're working here daily.
That's Coach Tomlin speaking to the media following practice yesterday. Reminder, practice today was moved up to 10.30 in the morning, so just a little over an hour until today's practice gets underway. When we come back, though, we're going to kick around what Tomlin was talking about at the end there about Delonte Scott and the third outside linebacker group. Take a look at that position battle and also talk about the wide receiver group that continues to shine throughout training camp for your Pittsburgh Steelers. That's all on the way next right here on the Training Camp Report on SNR. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Steelers practice just about an hour away from getting started at St. Vincent College today. Again, moved up due to inclement weather threatening the afternoon session. So 10.30 a.m. start for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Labs, to end that last segment, we listened to Tomlin, as we always do in our opening segment here on the Training Camp Report. And he was asked a question about what he thought of Derek Tuska's play and basically just that third outside linebacker spot in general. Uh, you noted in your observations uh, – from uh, yesterday's practice that Delonte Scott made a play. He's been showing up. You you mentioned on the night show you did on DVE last night, you know, you've kept saying, who's that number 50? Who's that number 50 out there making plays? So there's a couple of guys, you know, with their hand in the pile as far as that third outside linebacker spot is concerned. <laughs> no one's worried about number one outside linebacker, obviously. Alex Highsmith's a very solid NFL-capable starter. He's proven that over the past couple of years. But it's that third spot at that outside linebacker group that I think gives a lot of people pause. Yeah, and I'm not um, I'm not willing to you know proclaim Delonte Scott the winner, right? You know of any competition, even you know for the third spot. You know Derek Tuska. I thought that um, you know he showed some things over the course of last season after the Steelers. I believe they picked him off the Denver Broncos practice squad. Excuse me, especially, you know, in terms of his ability to be somewhat productive in, you know, the, those periods of a game where, you know, TJ Watt and or Alex Highsmith come out just to get a, uh, a breather. So, you know, I, the Steelers like him. Uh, I, Tusk, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Delonte Scott was one of those guys who uh, was added later in the season and he tried to get on, as Mike Tomlin always says, get on a moving train. Um, I think that they were a little reluctant to have to play Delonte Scott, you know, down the stretch last season in terms of him being ready, you know, for 
you know, all the different nuances of the position, you know, very uh, possibly could have used this off season, you know, to, to kind of um, get up to speed on a lot of the things, the nuances. And then the Steelers also signed Jannard Avery mm-hmm. uh, as a free agent. He's a, you know, a, a fifth year player. He has some NFL experience and, you know, knows what it's about, I think. And he's also a guy, you know, I mentioned who's number 50. And sometimes I'm saying who's number 49 because mm-hmm. that's Avery. Um, you know, Tusk I'm more familiar with because that's been his number. Um, so as I'm learning the numbers of the new guys, um, you know, that, that always helps me learn them when they're doing something that you have to continue to look down at the roster. Who was that guy? Uh, because he's right. making himself noticed. So, you know, what, we're going to have to see how that uh, how that works out. Now, one of the guys, and this shows you what I know, one of the guys that I was a little bit excited about, you know, during the off-season program, um, you know, OTA's minicamp and stuff, was Tyree Johnson. He was an undrafted rookie from Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I looked him up, he had eight sacks for Texas A&M last year. He played with uh, DeMarvin Leal down there on that uh, Aggies defense. And I thought, well, maybe this guy is going to turn out to be a find um, and help with that uh, outside linebacker depth that, you know, we all knew was an issue uh, on the drive up to here. So, but he got cut quick. Mm. Uh, He wasn't, well, he wasn't waived injured. So I won't say he wasn't injured, but he wasn't waived injured. So I'm just assuming that, you know, there was something about him that wasn't special enough uh, to keep or to try and develop or, you know, I heard he ran poorly. Mm. And sometimes in the NFL, if you run poorly, you know, you're below the Mendoza line. You know, you, you may have been a productive player in college. You can get away with uh, being an outside linebacker running a 4-9 or 5-0 in the 40, but that doesn't cut it up here at this level. So uh, I heard he ran poorly. That's why he wasn't drafted. Maybe his speed uh, hampered him to the degree that, you know, the Steelers just decided that he wasn't going to work out and they needed to, uh, you know, cut ties, give his reps to someone else that they can try and develop. So, um, you know, we're going to have to see how it works out. And this it's going to be – these preseason games are going to be yeah, huge for absolutely. those guys because I can't – you know, T.J. Watt may want to play. Uh, I, I can't imagine him getting much playing time because we saw last year he didn't even participate in team drills until just about the, the season started. And that and really hurt he was him a, in his production yeah, in 2021. Right. Yeah. 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 So um, <laughs> I think that a similar uh, preseason plan will be in place for him, especially since, you know, he has taken part in all, all of train, all the training camp practices. Um, just let me throw this in since it's a uh, yeah. little bit of news that just uh, came across my uh, laptop here. You know, while I was over, uh, in Mike Tomlin's room earlier, demanding the practice be moved to the morning. <laughs> That's right. I also, I also said to him, you know, it would help me and Tom on our show if you could like send me a practice script. And so I have the practice script oh, now. Man. Anything uh, you want, you so, get labs. I love it. Oh, right. I mean, you know, you, you have to show a firm hand around here, <laughs> especially when you're at, you talk about being at the bottom of the depth chart. That would be me. That's describing me. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, Seven shots, you know, start off as usual. Uh, and then the drill will culminate, or the, uh, the practice, excuse me, will culminate with another session of two-minute. And, you know, one of the things about two-minute is they 
um, set the the criteria. You know, so it's going to be the ball is going to be on the on your own forty. Okay. So that's got to go sixty yards in a minute and thirty eight. You got one timeout and you need a touchdown to win. That's the offense's uh, job, and then the defense obviously understands that you know they have to defend sixty yards. You know, in ninety eight seconds, the other team has one timeout and you can't let them get in the end zone. That's that's uh, the situation for the defense. So you know that should be interesting, and I would imagine that what we have seen um, in the earlier. Uh, rendition of two minute two quarterbacks get to to do it you know they right. do it twice so uh we'll see now yesterday was it yesterday oh, see i hate it's all blurring I hate together. trying to figure They're out what day same. yep um but they did one of those little uh switches with kenny pickett and mason rudolph yes it was yesterday uh, switching pickett them. was the two okay. and the seven shots okay so uh, you know i don't know if that's going to be the way it is today but if it is you know pickett would get his first chance uh, at two minute, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was Pickett today because I would imagine he's going to see some playing time on Saturday against the Seahawks. Got to make sure I got my days and teams right here. <laughs> Saturday against you the it. Seahawks. You right Okay, at Acrisure Stadium too. Don't try and trick me. Nope. I know. I know the name. Seven p.m. Um, <laughs> Seven p.m. Right. Um, but um, so you know if. If Pickett is going to play, you would think that the way, depending on the rotation Saturday, I would think he's either going to be in the game at the end of the first half, or if Mason Rudolph goes in after Trubisky, then he would Pickett would probably be at the end of the game. So you you could possibly have a two minute situation either or there, uh, regardless of the the quarterback rotation. So I think you want to get Pickett some uh, practice at that because it's not only what you have to do in terms of, uh, you know, on the field. Um, but, you you know, you got to practice. Uh, there probably is no huddle, you know, in that situation. Right. So you're getting the call in your helmet uh, from the coordinator, from Matt Canada, and then you got to communicate that at the line of scrimmage. you got a running clock or a play clock you got to deal with. you got to know how to manage that. you got to be paying attention for when they want a timeout. you got to be paying attention when you need to uh, clock it, spike the ball. And so there's a lot of communication that goes on uh, from the sideline to you as right. the quarterback and then from you to the rest of the guys on the field as the quarterback. Maybe there's personnel changes, groupings. you got to keep all of that straight. you got to make sure, you know, if – two receivers come on and two go off, okay, who's supposed to be where? So when you when you get them on the line of scrimmage, you got to look around and make sure, because you're probably going to be out there with young players yourself, maybe they're in the wrong spot. You know, are they, are they going in motion when they're supposed to? Are there two guys in motion at the same time? Yeah. You know, all of that stuff you have to be aware of. And, you know, I would think that for a rookie, you, you would, even a young player, you want to have some um, – practice at it before you have to actually do it in a game no question whoever the quarterbacks are well obviously mitch will be one of them but whoever takes with the second team will certainly be hoping to get some help from their wide receiving core in that two-minute drill because the wide receiving core has been giving them a lot of help so far in practice we know about pickens he's been the camp darling uh claypool returned to practice yesterday and had some pretty eye-popping catches so it's good to see him come back from injury and immediately make an impact but labs 
you've actually noticed another wide receiver that has been popping a little bit in the receiving game that might be off of a lot of people's radars. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. You know, when, when camp started, um, who's at 89? I kept saying to myself, you okay. know, and now I don't have to do that anymore because that's Gunnar Olszewski and he has done enough, you know, through this point um, that you noticed him. I noticed him enough times and, um, you know, so I know his number. And this is a guy who, you know, he played for New England. Um, he was primarily a kick returner, punts and kickoffs there. Right. Also did some slot receivers, slot receiver stuff. Kind of remind, you know, and I don't want to, you know, stick him with a comparison then that he has to live up to. But since he played in New England, his size, his role, you know, he kind of reminds me of Edelman, maybe Amendola, you know, uh, Danny Amendola, Julian, Julian Edelman. And, uh, you know, Steelers fans will remember from games against the Patriots that Ugh. those guys can often be a pain in the butt Ugh, the for the opponent. So, you know, uh, what I've noticed from Gunnar Olszewski is uh, he runs good routes. Uh, he's apparently slash obviously where he's supposed to be because he's caught a lot of passes. And, you know, uh, you're not doing that if, you know, the quarterback can't find you or right. you're not where he thinks you're going to be. Uh, he works the middle of the field very nicely, and uh, you know he is a factor uh, down in the red zone. So you know, he's a guy that I think is better than Ray Ray McLeod, because you know for just as a quick cheap comparison, you know he's a re he's a returner, which McLeod was, right. and he is a you know extra receiver, which McLeod was, and you know I looked it up. Because I remember at the end of last season thinking, why do they continue throwing the ball to Ray Ray McLeod? <laughs> we Can't, all you know, <laughs> isn't you know, isn't there someone else? Uh, McLeod was targeted sixty-six times last year, caught thirty-nine passes, which to me is not a great percentage. No, it uh, not. I'm not saying they were all his fault, um, but as, again, I'm just going to say, thirty-nine catches on six, sixty-six targets is not a great percentage. So. You know, I think Olszewski is better than him. Now, I haven't seen Olszewski return kicks because, you know, when you're doing it in camp, there's no hitting. So who knows if, you know, he's really breaking all those long returns or, you know, people are just not tackling him because they're told not to. We've kind of seen him do that, though, before, you know, like we, we know he can do that and that's in his bag. So it's more encouraging to me to what you're saying is that we're seeing him really excel in the receiving aspect because that's where I thought he might be left out in the cold. If someone can punt return a little bit better or just as good as him and you're not bringing anything to the table receiving wise, then what's the point of keeping you on the roster? Right. And what I will say about him, because this I can actually quantify, he catches the ball. Right, and, and you which, said the quarterbacks are trusting him because of that. No, no, what I mean is catching the ball and punts. Oh, okay, no, no muffs. Because, no muffs are going to happen. Yeah, well, I'm not saying no muffs. Knock but in on practice, wood. he has been very, very consistent catching the ball because I know there is a guy who wears a headset on the sideline who has zero tolerance for that. <laughs> um, and usually his word is final, uh, during, especially during games. So, you know, you, you cannot – if you want to, if you want to light Mike Tomlin's fire in a bad way, <laughs> um, turn the ball over to the other team just after his defense got off the field. Um, yeah, that's your. You talk about tempting your fate. That is that is one decidedly sure way to do that. 
Well, we all hope that there's a fire lit under Chase Claypool this year. Uh, hoping to see a return to the 2020 Claypool and not the 2021 Claypool. Encouraging signs from yesterday's practice. He high-pointed a ball in the end zone and got both feet down uh, for a touchdown, although I guess there was some controversy with the picture that was taken by a Steelers team photographer where it looked like his foot might have just been out of bounds, but, hey, it was ruled a touchdown, so who are we to argue with the person making that ruling? Uh, it's a huge year for Chase Claypool this year, though, uh, not just for his ability or not just for what he can contribute to the offense as a whole, but for himself individually as well. Yeah, and, you know, let me say this. Uh, I thought even after he injured his shoulder during the time that, you know, between his shoulder injury, which if my memory is correct, it was before pads went on. It was, yes. And Okay, and then so he was, you know, the, uh, rehabbing that. They wanted to get it well because that's one of those things. You don't want him going in with a sore shoulder that's nagging him that might not be better, you know, all season, and that's just that's just a – Stupid way to go about it. So it's that early in camp. He's a third-year receiver. You've seen him do, you know, a lot of the things you're going to want him to do this season. So you want to make sure that that shoulder is not bothering him anymore because, as an example, um, the last day or two, he went high for a, a reception, you know, and came down and hit his shoulder. Uh, and I'm not sure that it was the one that was injured, but it was there was contact with the ground in his shoulder area. And even if it wasn't the specific one, usually the jolt from that kind of contact, you know, he's, he's a tall individual, so he's up in the air pretty high. So yeah. the fall to the ground is longer maybe than <laughs> it is for others. Um, you know, there's a jolt there that I can't imagine uh, felt good, you know, in, in the injured area, previously injured area. So, uh, you know, he bounced up from that, continued practicing, didn't show any, you know, any effects of it, even uh, certainly not to the degree that he would come out. But, you know, there wasn't any, you know, how they sometimes you'll see a guy try and loosen it or hold it or something that indicates that at the last um, play, he felt some pain there. So there was that, which is a good sign. The other thing I thought was a good sign was how engaged Chase Claypool was when he wasn't practicing. Um, you know, a lot of times guys will stand on the side, you know, they wear their jersey, but no helmets or right. shoulder pads. But Chase Claypool was wearing his, you know, jersey, no helmet or shoulder pads, but he's running water for the other receivers. You know, they have a, a cooler out there with, you know, some of those Gatorade energy drinks and, you know, the quick um, recharge, whatever that's called, you know, that, that, that is necessary in some of the hot days that you inevitably have up here during training camp. And he, you know, he was kind of, uh, again, just being a help uh, to the receivers, even though he wasn't practicing. So he was engaged in what was going on. You could often see him, you know, con uh, consulting the, the script of, you know, they have a script of plays for every period. Right. Uh, sometimes uh, they give them to players who are not participating so they can follow along. So, you know, what the, you know, the formation is and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he was engaged in practice. I mean, he wasn't just down there standing around, you know, looking up into the stands, uh, you know, or tracking the rain clouds as they inevitably <laughs> come over the mountain. Uh, so he was engaged in that. Uh, he has, once he has returned to practice, he has shown no uh, effects of the previous injury. You know, he's making plays now. So uh, all, all, uh, 
all arrows are pointing up for Chase Claypool, in my mind, from a physical and psychological perspective in this season, which, you know, it's a big season for him, too. That Yes, the Steelers need him to be more like the uh, 2020 version of Chase Claypool than the, than the 2021 version. And Chase Claypool needs to be more like the 2020 version of himself because he entered the league as a second-round pick. So he's got a four-year contract. That's it. There's no fifth-year option right. uh, to pick up or whatever. So, you know, Chase Claypool, I believe, you know, this is a huge season for him because if he's the 2020 Chase Claypool, I believe the Steelers' management, including, you know, Mike Tomlin, uh, are going to start looking at him as a guy that we want to give a second contract to. Now, you know, negotiating that and coming to terms with the the number and all that stuff. Okay, that's for down the road. Right. But at the first, I believe, first step is, do we want this guy or not? And and I think that so this season is going to be, you know, a big part of that uh, evaluation slash decision by the team, because if you don't, um, if you decide that you don't want a guy, if the NFL, an NFL team decides they don't want a guy, you know, this in this season with another one coming up then you might see them pick another <laughs> tall wide receiver high in the next draft. Uh, if they want him, think they're going to keep him, then you know maybe they look to other areas for those premium picks in the 2023 NFL draft. So you know, someone told me a long time ago that NFL teams at some point in every player's contract, they make a, fi- a financial evaluation slash decision on this guy not final decision, but you you get what I'm right, where I'm right, going right, here right. with this. Okay, uh, it's at, at a point before the guy's contract is up, because um, especially a rookie or a guy who is on his rookie contract, to be accurate, because the rookie contract is usually a very team friendly situation. Um, it's the next one. You know, <laughs> we we saw what some of those second contracts for receivers were. Um, you know, a, a few months ago, yep. and it's, it's big money. You're looking at $20 million a year, uh, just as a general, and as Omar Khan said, um, you know, as the, as the salary cap keeps going up, these salaries are going to keep escalating. They just are. So whether a fan thinks, uh, $20 million is stupid, <clears throat> excuse me, is stupid to spend on a wide receiver or not, you know, that's the going rate. Yep. And so you either decide you want to pay it or you don't. Uh, so as I said, this is a big season uh, for Clay- Chase Claypool in two ways: for uh, how the Steelers look at him uh, and how he contributes to them in terms of their success, potential success in 2022. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the inside linebacking unit and a couple observations from a few guys in that unit to wrap things up here on the training camp report right here on SNR. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Wrapping things up before practice gets started at 10.30 today here on the Training Camp Report. And Labs, you noted in your practice report from yesterday a couple of observations having to do with the inside linebackers, Devin Bush and Robert Spillane. And we've talked a lot about how the defense has looked a lot better, especially that linebacking core as far as stopping the run so far in this training camp period. 
But the observations you had yesterday had to do with both Bush and Spillane in coverage and very encouraging things to hear from both of those guys. But I'd say Spillane even more so just because that's been such a glaring weakness for him. And he's been showing that it might not be that big of a weakness for him anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's, it was accurate to refer to Robert Spillane last season as a liability in coverage. Okay. And, you know, you saw that, you know, with when the Steelers were, you know, obviously having problems stopping the run. You know, and Robert Spillane was, had shown himself to be, you know, pretty good at that aspect of the game. But when he would get in the game, um, you know, as offenses often are, they're uncooperative with, you know, defensive <laughs> personnel groupings. Those damn offenses. And, yeah, right. You almost want to turn off their headsets, you know, so they can't. But well, then you'd be um, New England. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Coach Belichick, that was Tom Offerman who said that. So when next time he visits Gillette Stadium, make sure he gets stuck in the <laughs> elevator. Um, but uh, so, and, and then, you know, opposing teams would uh, do their best to give him a bad matchup in coverage and then right. take advantage of it. You know, I'm not I'm not here to try to say that Robert Spillane is, um, you know, the best coverage linebacker in the league night right now, nor is he even the best coverage linebacker on the Steelers anymore, but I don't think you can call him a liability anymore. You know, he's representative in that aspect of it. He's competitive. Um, and so I think that there will be less, uh, fewer qualms about, you know, sticking him on the field. And the way it looks to me, the way it's going right now, is there's, three guys that um, seem to be considered frontline inside linebackers on this team right now, Miles Jack, um, Robert Spillane, and Devin Bush. And, um, you know, I, I think that what what I'm seeing so far in camp indicates to me that there's somewhat of a comfort level with all of them. Right. And uh, so, you know, you, you, you need more than – if you're going to play two at a time, you need more than just two. So that's good that, you know, Spillane now is showing that his game has, you know, rounded out a little bit more. He's not somewhat one-dimensional. And, uh, you know, I, that that's just good for the defense because uh, you look at those three guys and what they're doing. And Larry Ogunjobi, I'm telling you, Steelers fans, I think, are going to love this guy. I mean, they may have hated him that after or that evening or whatever it was afternoon in Cleveland right. <laughs> uh, when Miles Garrett uh, assaulted Mason Rudolph uh, but he's he's you know as Mike Tomlin when he was asked about him he said you know, he's a grown man and he is he is in the middle of that defensive line not necessarily in the middle but in the interior he's hard to move right and you know if you lose track of him he'll be by you and sacking your quarterback he had seven sacks last year so um, that's a big part of, uh, I think, trying to fortify the middle of that defense, uh, especially against the run, without it being incapable of generating pressure on the quarterback with the same personnel. Uh, so, you know, the, things are coming together, kind of. You know, uh, I'm going to go to the Basilica and light a candle for Larry Ogunjobi's <laughs> foot uh, because, to me, that if this guy – uh, is healthy all year and can play, um, it would be my opinion to try and figure out some kind of long, uh, long-term long arrangement with him because I think he is exactly what Steelers fans wanted uh, the team to draft in the first round, the ones who didn't want a quarterback. 
And uh, he comes with the bonus of, in my opinion, being someone who contributes to the pass rush. He could be Javon Hargrave. I mean, that's yep. a name Steelers fans should recognize and remember, you know, what he brought uh, in terms of his ability to play both against, play against both the run and the pass. Yeah, no question. He's still only 28 years old, so as long as he gets over that injury, there's definitely a long-term future for Larry Ogunjobi, hopefully, with your Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, one last guy in the inside linebacker position to, to touch on is undrafted rookie Mark Robinson. Uh, not a guy that's really going to threaten those top three guys that you mentioned or even you know, maybe see himself on the field in, in the defense capacity, but he looks like he's you know coming along pretty well, and if he can you know really make some hay in the special teams department, I, I think there's definitely a spot on the roster for him. Yeah, what what um, Mr. Robinson has shown uh, me so far—not that you know that's significant for his advancement in this business—but <laughs> uh, he's one of those guys who uh, finds the ball, finds the guy with the ball, and gets him on the ground. And you know that to me is pretty much a primary job description for an inside linebacker in the NFL. Uh, and the other thing that, you know, that gives me hope that he can um, develop into the kind of guy you're looking for is he was a running back and he played running back. So he, he has to like have, a running back. Well, yeah. And not only that, but I mean, there's a certain skill set that goes along with that movement, yeah, no you know, uh, change of direction, you know, those kinds of things that, you know, translate well, to the linebacker position, how it's played in the NFL now. So, uh, yeah, I I have some uh, optimism for him. I think it was a very nice pick, seven B, second pick of the seventh round, okay. I believe. And um, you know, when you get the guy like that at that point, you you understand he's a developmental guy. But you're looking for special teams people. So uh, one of the things to watch during the preseason, um, he's number ninety eight, right? Ninety. Let me check this here. Looking here. Yeah, no, 93, excuse me. So check for ni 98 is the Marvin Leal. So um, check for number 93. Watch number for number 93 in the preseason games mm -hmm. uh, because if he goes down on a couple of kickoffs and makes tackles, um, this guy is, you know, I won't say he's cemented a roster spot, but he's certainly on the road to doing just that. Steelers practice starts at 1030, so just about a half hour away. Wolf and Starks are up next. They will take you through practice, handing things off to them here on SNR. Labs and I will be back again tomorrow at 9 a.m. for another edition of the Training Camp Report on Steelers Nation Radio. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.